Today, we're going to talk to a Facebook advertising and Amazon launch expert who's going to give us his top strategies for these things in 2021. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed, organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the Amazon world. And just quick note, guys, if you haven't done so, if you're listening on, the, on your uh, iPhone, on the Apple Podcast app, don't forget to do us a solid and leave us a review there on the uh, actual app. You should be able to do that. And if you're on Spotify or any of the other platforms, there's no review section, but uh, you can help us out by just making sure to turn on notifications and making sure that you guys are subscribed on the platform. We appreciate it. So anyways, our guest today is the one and only Leo Scovio. Leo, how's it going? Hey, Bradley. Yeah, good. How are you? Thanks for having me on today. Thanks for being here. Now, you know, we, we've met a few times over the years at various different conferences and things like that, but I haven't really got into your, your backstory, you know, much at all. And, and that's something we always do on this show is we like to, you know, to find out uh, everybody's journey uh, or path to the e-commerce world, because it's different for everybody. So first of all, where were you uh, born and raised? Yeah, 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 actually, it's interesting. I, um, I'm excited to share my story. I was born in Italy uh, and raised there until when I was 23. And um, that, that's when I decided to pretty much move to a different country because south of Italy is, um, uh, you know, is known as a great place for vacations, great food, you know, life, lifestyle, like nightlife was great, but probably not the best place where to, um, you know, start a business. Okay. All right. Now, now, growing up there when you were like eight, nine, 10 years old there, or what city in Italy did you grow up in? It's called Bari. It's on uh, the southeastern coast, so right across from, um, I would say, Croatia. Okay. Okay. So then, growing up in that area, you know, eight, nine, ten years old, what, what did you think you were going to be when you grew up? I don't know about eight, nine years old, but when I was twelve, thirteen, I remember my teacher saying, "Oh, you're you're really technical. You're really good with your hands. You you like to design, you know." And uh, it was probably the worst advice I could have ever uh, been given uh, by a teacher. And um, anyway, I decided to go into a mechanical uh, engineering school. But uh, along the way, I, I was DJing. I, I wanted to be a DJ, a producer, making music. That's what I did until uh, a few years ago, actually. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. So yeah. did you, you were 23 when you came to the States. So did, you know, upon graduating, I don't know what you guys call it over there, but what we call high school, did, did you enter into a university? I did, yeah. So I finished the uh, what what year would be probably um, like a college degree, I would say, mm -hmm. and um, and then I left right after. I remember uh, being called to the army, which I, I I went for a very short period of time, and they decided to um, pretty much leave. It was shocking for me, you know, going from DJing, you know, leaving that cool, fun nightlife <laughs> to uh -huh. you know being in the army. It was it was terrifying. <laughs> So wow. thankfully my, my dad was in the police back back home and he helped me to uh, leave the army. It was, it was an interesting experience. Okay. What kind of music did you uh, DJ and produce? I always uh, enjoyed playing Deep House, like old school. Okay. Yeah, Deep House. Soulful. All right. So that's like, um, like nowadays, like some, I don't know, Deep House, like Mala or Chami or uh, artists like that. Do you know them? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you can uh, probably say that, that those will be the DJ. I mean, recently you you can uh, think of uh, probably the best people that are doing deep house um, would be Sex Sex Drexler or mm-hmm. um, uh, Peggy Go. You know, these these new modern DJs they are doing doing a great job with that kind of music. Um, but my so then you would create your own music. Like, it's not like you're just mixing other people, but you would actually do some original beats and things like that. I did for a while. I built my own little huh. recording studio back in Italy. And then, um, when I moved, so when I, I left Italy 23, I went to Miami first. That's what I wanted to, I went to Miami. I thought that was going to be probably the best place to go to, um, you know, enjoy that kind of, uh, life and then, uh, get exposed to the, the American uh, music scene, right? South beach was the place to go. Yeah. And, and that's what I did. So um, I got introduced by to a few club owners uh, in Miami by DJs from Italy, and um, I remember DJing, DJing in some uh, pretty big clubs like Mansion, um, Set, Setai. Those were in the, mm-hmm. in the ni- uh, 2007, eight. Those were uh, you know great clubs, a lot of fun. Uh, did the music. okay. So that's what brought you to to the states is trying to further yeah. your your music career. So then, what, what, when did the pivot happen? to e-commerce or, or, you know, like what did, did you just like, there wasn't enough money in that for you or, or what happened? Yeah. So that's interesting because I was, um, I was dating a girl in, uh, in Miami, which, um, I moved back to Europe with, she was from Germany. And, uh, what happened was, uh, we didn't like to be back there, you know, and we decided to give it another try, come back to the States. But in the States for me personally, it was hard to uh, start a career because I, I was just a tourist there and I didn't have a work mm-hmm. permit. So what we did, uh, we came to Canada instead because okay. I had the family here that, um, you know, could have kind of helped me to, uh, at least have a place to stay. You know, I, I came here with really nothing, um, no, no, no money in my pocket. And, mm-hmm. uh, I was lucky, like fortunate enough, uh, three months later to be, uh, offered a job by, um, my family here in Canada. They, they, uh, used to own a, one of the largest, uh, travel companies, uh, in Canada, similar to Expedia. And, okay. uh, they were, they were already a very large company online. So, um, I remember my cousin asking me, Hey, why don't you come, you know, for the next three months, at least make some money. And, uh, I was offered like a data entry, uh, job. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I took the job, I completed what they thought was going to take three months, uh, tasking like three weeks. And so that's what made them offer me an actual job here in Canada. So they sponsored me, but before leaving, I remember asking them, what's the highest paying job in Canada, like in this company, I didn't want just to be the entry guy. And they yeah. like, well, SEO is probably one of the, <clears throat> the jobs that pays the most. So I remember going back home and, and starting uh, to study SEO. I did Google, uh, the, all the Google AdWords certifications. Uh, back then there was a book called the SEO Bible, which I finished in like a week. So I went back, I'm like, Hey, I think I know SEO now. I want to, I want to be the SEO in this company, the SEO guy. And, uh, so when I came back, I came back as the uh, SEO specialist and then everything kind of started, uh, from there. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So then what about selling on Amazon? Like, uh, there's another pivot that happened in your your career, I imagine. So you're you're kind of like in the online business there, you know, obviously. Yeah. But what about specifically Amazon selling? How how did you get introduced to to that whole field? Then I started going to some conferences. I remember I was in Vegas once at an Adobe conference, and um, I think there was a Pro- Prosper show at the same time happening, or SellerCon happening in a different hotel. 
And uh, I said to my cousin, you know what? I'm, I think I'm going to bail for a couple of hours and go see this Amazon um, conference. And that, that was in 2015. And I remember walking around and I ran into many coats. And uh, I'm hmm. like, hey, actually, I, he I heard your podcast. I think it was Manny and Casey Goss talking about Black Hat stuff back in the days. And I, I was already very comfortable with that topic because I was doing like, a, you know, <laughs> gaming AdSense and that, that kind of stuff. And like, mm -hmm. so I spoke to, to Manny for like 10 minutes. And Manny's like, I like this kind of, uh, I like where this is going. Because would you mind coming on, uh, I think back then they were doing the monthly um, the masterminds. Oh, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I told Manny, I'm like, hey, you know, by the way, I'm, I'm I, back then. Sorry, I was already uh, starting selling on Amazon, but I wasn't okay. obviously at the level um, where six years later I am today. So Manny is kind of the guy that introduced me to everybody else. That's how everything started. Uh, I think Manny is the one that discovered me. Cool, cool. A lot of people have that similar story, you know, like uh, they, you know, a lot of people don't realize it, but Kevin King is Kevin King today because. He just randomly came on the AMPM podcast years ago. Nobody knew who Kevin King was. And then that that episode that Kevin King was on just blew up so much that uh, that's how people found out about. It. So like a lot of people, I think, in this industry can tie their their origins, you know, kind of including myself, you know, to to to, to Manny. But uh, that's interesting. So awesome, yeah. what you've been selling on Amazon then for for how long now? Six years now, since 2015. Six, yeah, like a total of like how much do you think you have sold, you know, gross sales on, on Amazon overall? Uh, across multiple brands, we have probably done over in sales, well, uh, combined probably 30, 30 millions or so. Excellent, excellent. Now, it, you say you, you enter into different, uh, different brands, so like uh, these different niches as well, different categories, you have a, a wide variety or you try and stay focused on just a couple? Yeah. So what I did, um, Brad, at the beginning, um, I, I, I got into the skincare and then I, I kind of like stick with it because I didn't want to learn a new vertical and category. So I always uh, kept doing uh, beauty and, um, and uh, supplements. Um, and that's pretty much what I feel comfortable with. Cause once you know, the industry, once you know, the, pretty much the, the logistic, how everything works, you pro probably want to stick with, with that, right. Rather mm -hmm. than jumping from product to product or category to category, but that's what I'm, uh, currently doing. Yeah. Okay. So now how does it work then for, for competitive categories like that? Because, you know, a lot of people say, you know, They'll, they'll say things like, oh yeah, don't do cell phone cases or, or stay away from supplements or beauty because it's so competitive that, you know, most sellers are not able to compete. So obviously you, you have your own formula of how you're, how you're able to, to, to launch products in very competitive categories. So what, I mean, you, know, you don't have to give all your secret sauce, but like, what are some of these things that you're doing that traditional advice of, Hey, don't, don't do it, you know, really doesn't apply to you since you, you obviously figured out a way. Yeah, so Bradley, if I had to start today again, I don't know if I will get into the skincare or, or supplements. If I didn't know uh, what I what I obviously know today, mm -hmm. uh, I'm not saying I'm not discouraging people from getting into these categories because obviously we we well know that we have a lot of friends in common that made a lot of money into the yep, categories. Yep. So it would be silly to say, well, to stay away from these. Uh, but I would say that 
you need to know Amazon very well. You need to know this this business, um, what 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 works, how to get your your reviews, how to get rankings up, and uh, although there's a lot of courses out there, but you really really need to know and prove that this this you know yourself that you can make it work because it's hard you know to get into these specific categories is, is very hard. Now what I uh, what I see. A lot of um, sellers, including myself, recently su- succeeding with, is to kind of like add a spin to something that is already working. So, um, for example, in the skincare business or, or uh, category, um, things have changed more towards like single ingredient products. So, mm-hmm. people were looking look for specific ingredients for specific, uh, I guess, um, serums or, or products that do one thing and do it well. You know, obviously, if you have an established brand, you know, uh, on Amazon, a lot of the same quote unquote rules don't necessarily apply. Like, you know, where if it's a brand new seller, it might be, hey, this is too much competition. Nobody knows who you are. It's going to be too hard. But then if you're an existing brand, you know, you know, sometimes it's not as important that you, you're you starting off with not that many reviews because, you know, you've got your own audience and people know your brand and, and they'll, they'll trust you from day one. But just in general, what would be your advice as far as like, if you're, if somebody asks you for advice and say, Hey, Leo, like I'm a new seller, what are indications that I should not get into this niche? Like, you know, number of reviews on page one or, or, or search volume or, or number of sales on the existing sellers there. Like, is there a certain amount that's too much? Like, what are some of these things that you would advise uh, or advise to somebody new to say, just like you said a few minutes ago, it was like, Hey, you know, maybe in some of these supplement categories, if I was new, I wouldn't get into it. So like, how, how would you tell somebody to, to what are things, you know, to look out for, to know that? We all know that reviews are the currency of Amazon, right? The more reviews you have, the more money kind of have you have on your, on the plates, right? Then, um, how are they getting these reviews? Right. If if they're naturally getting organically getting these reviews, um, then you know. Okay. Well, if I have a good product, assuming they they don't have a lot of reviews, right. So my entry point now, I feel comfortable entering. You know, even at three, four hundred reviews, um, because I know that eventually I will be able to compete and, and get these many reviews over time. But it depends on how many reviews they're getting daily. Then what I do, I look at the images and see if, uh, for example, any of the reviewers has posted images with uh, that kind of like unveil or um, show inserts or stickers uh, or anything like that that the, that the sellers is using to actually acquire reviews. And if I see that, well, then I try to understand how they're getting reviews, how aggressive they are with their follow-up flows, right? If I know that they're giving free products to everyone in exchange for review, I know that if I want to compete, I have to do the same thing. If I don't have mm-hmm. these kind of tools or resources available, then I stay away from these niches, right? Um, yeah. So I think understanding really who you're dealing with and how big and how sophisticated your uh, competitors are, it's it's very important. As long as I'm comfortable, I would say, with the ranking um, and the review acquisition strategy, I will go into the market. Again, as long as... All the other factors like price point, like I don't like launching products anymore that are like under $20, $25. And the reason is that um, we we well know today that in order for us to compete, we have to do PPC, right? Amazon sponsored, all, all that, that has to be done. And if not, you're kind of like pretty much 
we will be left behind. So if I'm not able to afford PPC, then it means that I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to succeed with this product. And so if you're selling a product that is $10, $15, and the average cost per click today is like, I would say $1.50 on Amazon, mm-hmm. uh, you're probably not going to make it. Even if you have a killer listing, until when you start getting reviews, you're probably not going to convert well. Assuming that you're going to probably get a 15, 20% conversion rate, which means that every five clicks you get a, you get a sale. You do the math there, right? You're paying a dollar fifty. That's already like eight to ten dollars, right? In cost per click, plus your cost of goods sold, plus the Amazon commissions. You're just not gonna make it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I would, I would. My advice is to source your product wisely. Like make sure that you you have, um, um, you know, a decent. The cost of good is, is decent. You know, is is fairly uh, priced based on what you see. Um, you know, the competition selling the price, uh, selling the product for, and uh, don't go after products that are um, uh, too cheap. It, you know, it's it's just going to be um, hard to sell or hard to succeed. Okay. All right. You know, you, you brought up something interesting there that I didn't even realize I, by putting in the, the quotation marks. Now, is that saying that somebody has that word and phrase form either in the front end or back end of their listing? Uh, normally, it means that they have it in the title. Mm-hmm. In, in the exact same um uh, in, the, in the exact same form, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Order. So if you type in quotes, vitamin C, serum for face, you're most likely just going to get results that include that phrase in the title. Interesting. So that means that that seller has already optimized the listing because they want to rank for that keyword, right? So if I see a yeah. lot of results for that um, exact match keyword search, then I know that there's a lot of people going after the keyword. So I might change my keyword strategy only at the beginning just so that I can rank for easier ones. Uh, but eventually I know that if a lot of sellers are trying to rank for the keyword, that's the money keyword. That's the keyword yeah. I want to go for. Yeah, we're, we're going to have something uh, that allows people to look for it because uh, about the you know the keyword and title because that, that to me is one of the big parts of my, my launch strategy, like the Maldives method that I talk about is is trying to find those those uh, keywords where not many people actually have that exact keyword in their title. It's going to be that much easier to rank for. Now, would it be safe to say that for all of your new product launches and all of your existing products that Facebook advertising plays a role in your marketing strategy for every single one of those products? Uh, I would say a good 60%. 60%. Okay. Now I know you, you talked a lot about, about, you know, that with our uh, elite group recently, and obviously we're not going to give all the, the secrets away from, from there, you know, only that, that was only for the elite members, but, but can you talk for a few minutes about some just general strategies? Let, let's just take, for example, a new product, like somebody trying to, to use Facebook to help them with their launch. Like what would some basic, you know, best points to remember or, or some basic strategies be for somebody who wants to leverage Facebook advertising, you know, with a, an Amazon product launch. Yeah. So Bradley, what I would say is, um, uh, right now with, uh, the chatbots, you know, we all, we all been using many chat for a while now. I, I would say for, for new sellers, experienced ones, it's probably the easiest way to get reviews on your listing, right? 
you create an ad on Facebook, you promote your product. So uh, an advice and quick advice there, stop targeting everyone that likes rebates, free products, all that, because that is going to give, give you the wrong uh, or send the wrong people to your flows. Um, so create an ad that is relevant to your product and get people to buy your product, obviously. So uh, that's what I do at the beginning, right? Uh, I like to use Facebook to promote my product, whether it's a full price purchase, whether it's a, a, just you know, a 50% off coupon. Those work very well as well, especially if your product is uh, more expensive. So you want to drive as many sales as possible. Now, the way I do it is a little bit more advanced. Um, and I'll be happy to talk in another occasion about it. But what I like to do at the beginning is to like kind of warm up my, my listing, right? So I, I normally um, don't launch the actual ASIN until when I have a few reviews, uh, 20, 30, 40 reviews. It depends on, on the competition as well. Mm-hmm. So Facebook is my go-to traffic source for the reviews. Um, I have different also landing pages right now that I, that I'm using, uh, recently to send traffic from other sources, like for example, Google or uh, Pinterest. Um, so diversifying is very important here, but at the beginning, I like to get my reviews in place. Once I have my reviews, then I feel comfortable launching the product. The mistake that most people make is that they launch, although we have 90 days, you know, the honeymoon period, we know it's 90 days, right? But mm-hmm. the reviews come in late. Now you're spending a bunch of money on, on a giveaway or a ranking strategy. And Amazon is just not seeing the sales velocity, you know, kicking in. And then you pretty much uh, failed with the launch, right? All right, guys, quick break from this episode for my BTS Bradley's 30 seconds. Here's my 30 second tip for this episode. Those of you who are using Helium 10, don't forget about portals. You know, we've talked about in this episode, driving outside traffic uh, to Amazon. Well, if you're going to do that, you know, send them through a portal. That's the Helium 10's landing page program where you can actually connect it to ManyChat. You can connect it to, uh, you know, deliver coupon codes that you want to have for discounts. You can connect it to your Facebook pixel. You can put different two-step URLs to help you with ranking. You can even have QR codes. You can do insert cards right there, all within portals. And it kind of will tie your customer to you a little bit more to help you capture some customer data before they become Amazon's customer so that you can remarket to them later. So don't forget, check out portals h10.me forward slash portals. What are some of your methods? I mean, obviously there's, there's a million black hat methods to, to get reviews. And, and a lot of those that people were doing years ago don't work anymore because Amazon kind of, you know, cracks down in it. But you know, one of the, the white hat methods is early reviewer program that no longer is available. So outside of just, you know, making sure you have a good sequence to follow up with your customers who do buy your product to, to review it. What are some of those ways that you use or, or people you in your network use to, to get those first 30 reviews? Yeah. So Bradley, what I, if you have a list, I mean, right now, after you do your first launch or if your first few launches, you kind of create a list in a specific niche. You know, I have a few thousand people in the, in the beauty, a few thousand people in, in the supplements. Right? So what I do right now, I, I keep, you know, messaging or emailing the same people. Obviously uh, you don't want the same person to buy a product from the same brand more than like two, three times. That's, that's not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say if you don't have a list, the first thing you want to do is create this Facebook ad, right? Um, sending traffic to your flow where you're, you're pretty much giving this product for free. 
to your uh, to your audience. Now, I wouldn't. I wouldn't try to get a review from each one of them because that would probably get your listing uh, flagged or you know potentially okay. your account suspended. Uh, but I, I would get you know a good 30, 40 percent. Um, now, I would also distribute these uh, purchases across multiple listings and not just one because you know sometimes you're always going to get a guy that is going to leave a one star review. Or two-star reviews mm-hmm. because maybe he's a competitor. He found your ad on, on Facebook, is buying your product because he's going to try to ruin your launch, right? So yeah. you have that kind of strategy in place where you have three, four, five different um, listings. Then if one of them gets a one-star review, you can just get rid of it. You didn't really you know, ruin the whole launch because otherwise, if you have only one listing, you have to pretty much get rid of that ASIN, or you have to start now with a 4.4, 4.5, uh, which is not ideal. But if you yeah. have multiple listings and then one of them gets a one or two star review, which ruins kind of your average, then you just get rid of it and then launch a new one. And then uh, as these reviews come in, you can start uh, combining them, right? And you have the master or the parent ASIN with, uh, with all your reviews, which helps you a lot. Um, for the launch. So that's what I, I, I will do. Just, you know, a regular search running by campaign um, with, um, well, at the beginning, actually, I don't really care about the search running by because I don't even mm-hmm. uh, want to rank yet. I'm just trying to get the people to purchase the product uh, as easily as possible. So just send the user straight to the page. Say, hey, here is the product. Um, I don't care really initially about the price because again, the ASIN that you're going to launch is going to be, um, the, the listing you're going to launch is going to be different. So uh, it's okay to, to start with a lower price in this case, if you have this kind of strategy in place. And um, this way you're, you're spending less money on a launch and, um, and you have a higher chance to succeed. Makes sense? So, so, so you're saying the, the ASIN you're getting the reviews on is not the ASIN, your main ASIN that you're going to launch? No, sorry. The ASIN is the same. It's the SKU. That's okay. Yeah. Oh, this. Okay. Okay. All right. Got it. I, I was just wondering if you were using some strategy where you're 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 doing that thing that people do where they at they launch one ASIN, get reviews, and they just add another variation or something. But um. But yeah, okay. Yeah. Sounds like just you the can, regular. Okay. Own a listing, right? Um, mm-hmm. using a flat file, and then you can pretty much have, you have the same ASIN, two different SKUs. Like in the in the early review program, you were allowed to submit uh, different SKUs, right, and get six reviews, I believe, four per SKU. So you know, even if you did that with two different SKUs, you still have the same ASIN. You could potentially combine the reviews, right? Um, but anyway, that's that's what I still do. Obviously, not through the uh, ERP program, but um, yeah, trying to get reviews through Facebook or okay. the list. Okay, cool. Now, what about people who? you know, use many chat and, and for reviews, you know, like that's always something that, that scares a lot of people, including myself. It's like, man, you know, we heard that Amazon sometimes checks, uh, you know, checks these flows and, and might catch you and, and that you're doing something shady, but what are some things to make sure that people don't do it? If, if they're incorporating, you know, asking for a review in their many chat flows, like what are things they need to keep in mind so that they don't, you know, get caught by Amazon or, or, or get, sus- or, or get, you know, slap on the wrist from Amazon. Yeah, Bradley. And look, you know, for those that are listening, don't get me wrong. We shouldn't even 
we shouldn't even look for alternative ways to send traffic. You know, unfortunately mm-hmm. with Amazon, we have to always find these hacks and strategies because Amazon is a platform that is super like tight and, and, and close, right? So, um, but having said that, the easiest way to kind of like fly under the radar in a way is to tell your customers to go on Amazon rather than having a button in, in mini chat. They said, hey, click click this button and go to Amazon. The reason why that is, is because when you click on that button, there is a, a, a referrer or a, like a kind of um, a variable attached to the URL that is telling Amazon where this person came from. Now, if you tell your customer, go to Amazon, find this product or search for this keyword, then... Amazon is going to see this person going directly to the website. So it looks like a typing traffic or direct traffic to the platform. This way, yeah. you don't have to worry about blanking the referral, all, all these kind of like sophisticated terms that we use um, if, you are, if you're a new seller. If you're an experienced one, you most likely know some tools that help you to kind of blank the referral. So it basically, it's a, it's a redirect that sends traffic to Amazon hiding pretty much where the source of traffic is. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, I will just say what I do in my, in my flows right now, I just say, hey, go to Amazon, uh, whether it's .com, .ca, or whatever the, the marketplace is, search for this keyword. And once you find a product, complete the purchase and then send me your order ID. Um, that's probably the easiest way to do it. Okay. Uh, what Speaking of ManyChat, what are like, you know, I don't know, three, four, five of the most common mistakes that you think sellers are doing? Either they're doing something completely wrong or they're just doing something in a way that they could easily be doing better, but they just don't realize. I mean, I know you deal with so many sellers all the time, so you probably have seen hundreds of different situations on how people are misusing ManyChat. What what are some of those most common things, would you say? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one because I spend a lot of time actually on this, uh, Bradley, as you know. What, what the most, I, I think the biggest um, mistake that most likely is costing sellers even an account suspension um, is allowing everyone to redeem their products. So they send traffic from Facebook to Minichat. And then they say, hey, you know, thank you for interesting this product. And then they show the picture and then that's it, they're in, right? Um, mm-hmm. The biggest mistake is that they do not pre-qualify the user. And the reason that I think is a big mistake is because this, a lot of these people, they're professional reviewers. I, I, I used to be part of this WhatsApp group and they were, they were all reviewers. And it's insane. Like the same way we have masterminds to try and understand how Amazon works and how to be better sellers. These guys have masterminds trying to be better reviewers. <laughs> so they teach uh-huh. each other how, you know, not to share, you know, the profile because, you know, if you click on your buyer profile, Amazon sees that click. And so don't send the buyer profile to the seller. They say, oh, you know, use a VPN. They then, they, they will say, don't leave a review too soon or don't leave all with a five-star reviews, like it's insane the kind of masterminds these guys have. So the most important thing is to avoid giving your products to these people. So I think uh, this is probably the, the biggest mistake that they are making. Um, the other one is probably still sending traffic straight from any chat to Amazon. It could be a myth. We don't know yet, but we do know that some people... Well, we do know that there is a referral being passed and that could be potentially causing issues. What's your current suggestion for, for uh, obviously it changes based on the niche or based on the product or based on somebody's goals, but in general, 
to somebody who wants to to use ManyChat mainly for their keyword launch, you know, one thing you mentioned that that you know works for some people, some people not, is you know waiting for more reviews. But the generic flow of of, of how it work, like as far as how long to run, you know, ManyChat uh, for a certain keyword, how many keywords to try and target at the same time. What's your general rule of thumb as far as the, the typical seller, what you would suggest, how their structure should be for doing, you know, keyword launches, leveraging ManyChat? Yeah, so I was talking about this with somebody else the other day, and my recommendation is if you can diversify as much as possible, that would be ideal. So um, assuming that you're using just mini chat for your launch strategy, uh, starting with the ad, by the way, it depends on the niche you're in. For example, in like more um, competitive niches like supplements, beauty, you might want to use a video rather than just a static image. And the reason is that you're, you're already telling a story in the video, so you're helping your customer understanding, you know, what, what you're trying to get out of him or her. So, um, that, that's important. Then once they are in the flow, I would say when it comes to keywords, um, I normally focus, it, it, it really depends on obviously how much traffic you're sending. Uh, but I've seen two things working. Uh, one, you start with the keywords that are less competitive. So it's easier for you to achieve those, um, you know, the high rankings for those keywords. And then start, as you monitor your, your keyword positions, right, you start changing more towards um, the, the ones that are more competitive. Um, Something that works very well for me at the same time is doing a coupon campaign, which is always active. So you, I have a 50% of coupon that I run at the same time. Um, as I'm doing the giveaways, I, I run that, that coupon campaign. And the reason why that works really well um, is because I think it naturally organically generates clicks on your listing and uh, potentially out to carts, right? Mm -hmm. So... We know Amazon as a search engine um, just learns these kind of data points, right? Click, add to cart. It, these are all engagement metrics that they use to calculate where you're supposed to be ranked for certain keywords. So if you're doing 50% of coupon and then the user goes to your under your ad, you're, you're telling them search for this keyword, click on the on the listing, and then eventually, you know, add to cart and, and, and then add the coupon at checkout, some of them naturally will not buy the product because maybe yeah. even a 50% off is still expensive, right? And even if they have to pay $10, $5, some people say, no, screw that. I don't want to pay anything, right? So they will leave the product to cart uh, in, in the cart without ever uh, checking out, right? So... That alone, I've ranked products just by doing this, to be honest with okay. you. Um, at the same time, you have a flow that is now doing the, the search fund and buy. And if you can also run either rotate at the same time with another flow or within the same flow, if you can also do some uh, actual URLs like super URL, you can um, do that at the same time. I think diversification is, is very critical. And um, another thing that I do as well, Bradley, is um, outside traffic. Google is working very well right now. Um, it's hard to get a lot of sales from Google, but if you can drive even like two, three sales a day, uh, you will see that it helps a lot with, uh, with the rankings. Um, but yeah, the, the most important thing is to always keep an eye on your rankings 
and switch keywords as your rankings increase. So once you achieve, you know, you have a goal, you want to be bottom of page one, for instance, with a certain keyword, you achieve now that the, the result of the ranking uh, position, you start your PPC campaigns on Amazon. So you give that extra boost and now you can focus on the next keyword, right? So uh, a, a systematic approach, hopefully and uh, potentially automated is I think key to uh, ensuring that you're you're successful with a with a ranking strategy. Okay, driving traffic from Google. You mentioned that. Um, what kind of URL would you suggest using for that? Like just uh, canonical URLs or adding some kind of tag to the URL? What's this method there? Yeah, Bradley. What I'm doing, I'm just creating a URL inside uh, Amazon Attribution so that I can mm-hmm. eventually track um, sales, and then I add the keyword in the URL as well. You know, like the K equal with um with the keyword that's all okay. you can do that's that's all i'm doing right now passing that when you pass that parameter in the url you'll see the search bar being populated with the keyword and um that's all you need to do because once the user buys uh, sorry adds the product to cart and eventually purchases the product the attribution goes back to that keyword and i know i'm, I'm technical mm. from that perspective so i was able to actually inspect the uh, the source code and all the you know queries sent back and forth and they can see that in you know if you click for example on add to cart after sending traffic that way um the keyword shows in, in the actual source code which means that amazon did give that keyword an attribution okay um, or, or did pass it along your session so that that's uh the url that i'm using okay um, somebody is out of stock for a couple of months or, uh, and their, and their keyword ranking goes down when they're back in, or just, just gradually they've kind of fallen off of, you know, uh, of keyword ranking. What are some of your, your relaunch tips? Like, like, uh, do you just say, Hey, nope, give up too late now. Or, or, or do you do the same strategy exactly uh, that you do uh, would do in the launch phase? Or what do you, uh, what do you have to say for, for sellers who are in that kind of boat? Yeah, so Bradley, look, I'm um, I'm the kind of guy that always runs out of stock, and I uh-huh. I hate saying this, but um, yeah, that's that's uh, the truth. So what I do normally when I'm out of stock and I'm back after a few days, and, and lately it's been challenging also because of um, you know the pandemic. Amazon doesn't receive stocks in time, you know they they limit yep. the number of units you can send. So it's been challenging keeping in stock. But anyway. What I do normally right after, um, I do a heavy PPC. So I, I don't relaunch the, the product doing giveaways because uh, Amazon already has a lot of history about your ranking, where you were left off, right, before going out of stock. But what they do need to see again is a bunch of sales coming in, right? And eventually you will gain that position back. Um, so what I do, I have just focused, like I created an exact match campaign or that keyword that I used to rank very well for. And I mm-hmm. blasted with a bunch of, uh, um, I was listing with a bunch of traffic from, from that keyword. And um, obviously, if you have a good listing and you were selling well before, you were ranking well, it will definitely pick back up. And um, that's, that's all I'm doing. I, I never really had to do uh, another giveaway unless... Mm-hmm you've been out of stock for a very long time. Cool, cool. Last question is, you know, a lot of people just think of Facebook advertising and many chat advertising in the scope of launch or, or possibly relaunch, but under what circumstances can someone leverage Facebook advertising, many chat advertising when it's, it, we're not talking about launch, if any. So, so you're saying, how can you just 
use Facebook ads to generate sales. Yeah, like, like, do you do you even suggest that somebody does, or should people just be using those kind of things only when in the scope of launch, or are there evergreen strategies that people should be using with a mature listing? Yeah, so I think um, coming from a marketing background, I, I think there are better ways to use that traffic. Uh, if you have a, a really good listing, a few thousand reviews, well, it depends on uh, the niche you're in and then you know what what the market looks like. But if you have a great listing, yeah, you can probably send traffic straight to your listing and convert a few people. Uh, but the problem is that once you send traffic from Facebook or any traffic source to Amazon, Amazon is such a perfect e-commerce store designed to get the user to buy something that if you, if your listing is not perfect and the customer didn't come specifically to buy your product, they're most likely going to find something else. Whether at the bottom where it says, you know, people that bought this also bought that or some other sponsored product. So you might lose that sale. Um, so my recommendation would be more to send traffic to your own Shopify or WooCommerce store. And then um, you let the user decide if they want to buy from from that store, from Shopify, what I see is a lot of spillover. For instance, where you send traffic mm-hmm. from Shopify, sorry, from Facebook to Shopify, and then they go on Amazon to see if maybe on Amazon the product is cheaper. So, and because they have Prime, they wanted the shipping, you know, like the, the product delivered tomorrow. They probably will end up buying on Amazon. We see a lot of these happening, and you can track that sale. Of course, you can have an affiliate link, right? going to Amazon so you can see of, you know, these many people that come from Facebook to your store, how many actually end up buying on Amazon. Um, That would be my recommendation. Don't get me wrong, because I do send a a lot of traffic from Google ads to my listing, directly to my listing. Okay. All right, cool. Now, um, you know, you've been giving us different tips and strategies throughout the whole episode, but we have this part of the show we call the, or the TST 30 second tip. What's something that you haven't mentioned today? But uh, that if somebody uh, you know can do it, you can say it in thirty seconds or less, and it's something that's actionable and highly valuable for our listeners out there. Uh, yeah. So quickly, my tip will be considering what's going on today in the Amazon space. Uh, try to stay away from solutions that are presented to the masses, because normally when everybody's using something, that's when uh, Amazon starts you know, tracking footprints and eventually that's when trouble starts, right? So my recommendation is if you really want to take this business seriously, try to build your own things, build your own tools, build something that is unique. It's your own, you have control over it. And um, whether you, you can use any of the tools available today out there, but use it for research, but then eventually end up building your own funnels, your own review strategy, your own ranking strategies. Don't really um, go after something that you've seen everybody doing because eventually that will get you in trouble. So that, that would be my recommendation. And uh, I'll be happy to follow up on this if people have questions after. Cool. Perfect. So if, if people do want to reach out to you for, for help with their, their many chat flows or, or with just, you know, in general, how can they find you on the interwebs out there? Yeah, for anything related to mini chat launches, they can um, go to combomat.com, C-O-N-V-O-M-A-T dot com and reach out to me through that website. Or uh, I'm always on Facebook Clubhouse recently um, and uh, Instagram as well. So um, my name, Leo Sgovio, it's on Facebook, same as uh, Instagram, as you uh, spell it. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Leo, for joining us. And and next year, I'd lo- love to reach out to you again, bring you back and, and see what has changed in the, the world of 
of outside traffic and, and launches. Oh, I love that, Bradley. Thank you so much for having me on today. Thank you.